doesn't exist until it cracks apart. Time doesn't exist until it cracks apart. Time doesn't exist until it pretty at night. Time doesn't exist until it pretty at night. You're the white haired one first. You're pretty at night. You're the white haired one first. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of It's Time to Rewind, the podcast trapped in its own time loop right along with the movies we discuss. This season is the serial bomb, yo, and we're looking at Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, and we've moved on to looking at a few additional episodes from the series. Today we're discussing Angel Season 5, Episode 14, Smile Time, probably best known as the puppet as the puppet episode. And so I brought on a puppet expert, as well as a forgotten films expert, Todd Liebenau. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks to be. Thanks for having me. Glad to be on the show. Yeah, and I'm glad to have you back on. It's uh, been a little while since talking about Groundhog Day here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was on the first one for that, so yeah, it has <laughs> been a while. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I I am very curious before we get before we jump into this episode because you know you're the you're the second guest here that is brand new to Buffy and Angel. I had just just before this I talked to Jason Soto about the pilot episode of Angel, and now I I brought you on to discuss probably the um one of one of the best episode or one of the favorite episodes of this series and and i think even though it does have a couple a couple bits that are very important to the end of the season like for stuff that comes later i think it's mostly a standalone episode and i i am curious like what you thought about angel with smile time as your jumping on point (laughs) yeah well i i have seen some of buffy i will say that mainly like the first season i watched a bit of but i'm just not a big tv viewer i watch you know i I sit down with a movie every night so it i a lot of these shows from this time frame uh are not ones that i kept up with and i i've never seen angel before i i knew a little bit about it i mean maybe (laughs) some character names and that that's about it um you know and it was clear watching it that there were some elements here that i'm going okay i'm sure if i knew a little bit more about who these characters are and what their dynamic with each other is. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things in this episode about like, you know, relationships. Yeah. You know, and and, it's almost got like a, a romantic comedy, like three (laughs) romantic comedy subplots going on at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it it all seems to be cases where like, you know, one person clearly is, has the hots for the other one and the other one is clueless about it. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff where I just kind of rolled with it and was like, okay, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'm sure that that all gets resolved at some point. Um, you know, as usual, I'm just here for the puppets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, kind of going into a little bit of the, the relationships, you know, we, we have Nina and angel and Nina is a, is a brand new, like recurring character for this final season she's a a werewolf obviously (laughs) which we don't we don't get to see the full werewolf but we do get to see the werewolf arm which i I, I thought that was a fun way is that something that like is is hidden throughout the the season you know like have we only seen an arm at this point or do you know are they they 
they slowly reveal bits and pieces of the actual werewolf here, like the shark in Jaws or something like that? Uh, I, I, it's at this point, it, it's been a little while since I rewatched season five, like a, a, a few months. I watched them, I think I went through it back in October and November. So it, it's been a, a few months, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, the, the episode that Nina is introduced as a character is a werewolf episode, and I believe we actually see her as a werewolf first before we see her as her human character. Sure. And, and she's, you know, introduced as a brand new werewolf that had just gotten attacked by, you know, the, the, the werewolf that scratched her. Mm-hmm. And so the, she has the, the, the episode where they, you know, break it to her that she's now a werewolf and will be a werewolf for the rest of her life. And then she pops up in like just, you know, one or two other episodes. And, uh, she's just kind of a, this minor character that's kind of slowly building a relationship. And then after this, I think she's only in one more episode of before the series ends. Mm. Well, I get why, you know, they, they maybe decided to not show full werewolf in this episode. All, all they show is, like you said, an arm. And, uh, you know, like, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta spend a bunch of, budget money this time around to build puppets and hire <laughs> puppeteers and things like that. So all you get is a werewolf arm in this, this episode. We have to save some money somewhere. Yeah. And then we have the, the, the Fred Knox and Wesley love triangle kind of where, you know, Knox has had a crush on Fred for quite a while. And I think Wesley has had like a bit of a, a crush on her. Like he's kind of, started to develop feelings for her and fred has been the same way and that's been building for several episodes Mm, okay and so we get to see the result of this and and like most joss whedon properties as soon as the characters get happy something happens and (laughs) just like two episodes later or possibly even in the next episode which completely ruins that and, and turn and Fred turns into basically this uh, demonic character that gets mm. that completely changes her character for the rest of the series. Oh, and you don't have to worry about spoiling things for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> well, for one thing, it's like what twenty some years old. You know, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, and and um, like the the other thing that's very important is um, you know gun the. Basically, the lawyer in in this episode, he was originally just kind of a street thug. And then in this season, they gave him this this magical surgical implant that made him super smart. And they had they talked about all the, the, you know, the the doctor with the flowers for Algernon references. The doctor was was creepy. I was like, okay, clearly this is this is an ongoing, um, you know, villainous character or something like that because like that that's that's too bizarre uh of a portrayal for just one throwaway scene yeah he i think he had a couple couple previous um appearances in this season and also i'm i'm i am curious like what's your take on it's like what from watching this episode specifically uh what feeling did you get of Wolfram and Hart, this company that they're working for. Well, it seemed interesting. I mean, it took me a little while to to kind of get the basics of what it was all about. I mean, because, you know, coming into the episode, you just kind of see 
there's these people in this office and some of them look kind of unique. Okay. You know, it, I was kind of like, okay, look, looks like a men in blackish type of an organization, something like that. So, you know, it, it seemed like it was something that is, you know, somewhat under the surface secretive and that, but at the same time, I guess I was a little confused as to how, how much this world is aware of this, organization these people because there's the one guy that you know the with the with the horns and the green skin and and whatnot and mm -hmm. i mean you know just and no one bats an eye and he talks about how he knows all these producers in hollywood and things like that i'm like okay <laughs> just a normal thing in hollywood i guess <laughs> in this world anyway i don't know <laughs> yeah what wolfram and hart is basically you know the the secret but not so secret um basically like evil slash demonic uh, lawyer company, law firm. Uh -huh. And they end up, you know, the, the angel group, you know, the, the good guys end up running the L.A. branch at the beginning of the fifth season, which is, you know, it's it's hard to explain, so I, I won't. But, <laughs> you know, it, it makes for, you know, a lot of a really interesting direction that the, that they did in this fifth season where they they really go in a weird direction but i think it, it works for the show and it really opens up the the world of angel and allows them to do a lot of weird things like this episode mm -hmm. yeah i mean even just you know this being the only one that i've ever watched it still felt like this is really a thinking outside the box type of episode i mean it's really going beyond uh you know whatever you know whatever bizarreness they have you know in mm -hmm. the rest of the series uh, this, this is really thinking outside the box for sure yeah and and i do love how they how they really like almost hang a hat on it where you know you have multiple characters like um you know harmony spike and and fred their first reactions to seeing Angel as a puppet. It's like, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> it's funny because I've I've experienced that type of reaction to things before. Um, you, you know, you kind of kind of hinted at it at the beginning, but I have worked professionally as a puppeteer uh, throughout my life. I've been a puppeteer. Uh, I mean, ever since I was a kid, um, I had an interest from a very early age. And there are times when I have used puppets in situations where folks are not necessarily used to to that type of thing. Uh, I remember when I was in college and uh, I was in a class where we were, it was a video production class and, and the thing we were doing the whole semester was producing this news magazine type of a program. And when the instructor found out that I was a puppeteer, he roped me into being one of the co-hosts of the program as a puppet <laughs> and there was this girl who was brought in to be the human co-host and it was it was just funny her reactions when she you know kind of had to process that she was going to be doing these segments with a puppet and uh you know she would catch herself like uh, i remember one time when she was just so embarrassed because she was talking about 
the next uh, scene that we had to shoot in that. And she's talking and looking at the puppet in the eye and talking back and forth <laughs> with the puppet. And I'm crouched behind the, the wall and I'm just performing along and saying, yeah, uh-huh. And just talking with her as the puppet. And about two minutes into the conversation, she hangs her head and starts laughing and goes, I just realized that I'm talking to the puppet. I'm not talking to the person, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, you have those, those weird moments where uh, it just kind of, catches people off guard as as they they realize what they're dealing with yeah and, and i read through the trivia for this episode and the some of the cast members said that 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 happened in this episode too for the the puppeteer controlling the angel puppet in between takes he would continue to puppeteer angel mm -hmm. and talk to the casting crew as puppet angel well yeah it part of it is just staying in character you know that type of thing but um, also I have found personally, you know, like it's hard to relax the body. I mean, you know, puppetry is, is, I mean, yes, there's a lot of skill and performance to it, but it's also a lot about just your, your strength and, and keeping your body and your arm in a, in an odd position and things like that. And a lot of times if you break in, in shooting something, you don't want to bring your arm down and rest and stuff because you're kind of in that performance mode. So a lot of puppeteers, myself included, we'll, we'll keep the puppet up. We keep, you know, moving and reacting to things like that. Um, and, and just, you know, continue to exist as the puppet, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So what what did you think about the the puppet designs and and the puppeteering and as it's it's presented in this episode because I I definitely noticed a couple really interesting moments for sure like there there is a couple moments where we see Angel like walking down the hall unassisted mm -hmm. yeah yeah that that moment was kind of interesting it was clearly a um, uh, done as an as a marionette and they probably removed the the wires uh you know digitally or something along those lines it was kind of funny as a puppeteer to watch that because marionettes are notorious for kind of having this walking style where the knees don't really move or move in a strange way and that's the way that angel is walking when we see him <laughs> full-bodied walking there so that was kind of you know i i think a funny little inside joke <laughs> a puppeteer joke kind of um but no, the puppets are great. I, they're they're definitely very much in the Muppet style. Um, I don't think these were actually built by the Henson Company. I tried to do some looking, um, you know, but I mean, a lot of what we know today as hand puppets, or at least the moving mouth style of hand puppets, is very much based on, on what Jim Henson and his organization did. So even folks that aren't a part of the Muppet organization the things they're producing are very much inspired by that. And, and this definitely is um, the, yeah, uh, it, it wasn't officially the Jim Henson company that's, that did the puppets, but they did bring in several, you know, Jim Henson <laughs> alumnus. Yes. Yes. Um, and I mean, they're, they're uh, the performance is, is very well done. Um, you know, the, the angel puppet specifically has a great challenge to it because um, they would have had to have been uh, lip syncing either live or with a recording of somebody else. The actor that plays Angel, of course, is not the puppeteer playing mm -hmm. Angel. And so, um, you know, that can be more of a challenge sometimes than if you're delivering the voice yourself and lip syncing with your own voice 
as you perform as a puppeteer. Um, you know, so that that certainly was a challenging aspect of the performance. And also, I, I was talking to my wife about this this morning. One of the things that did impress me watching this was that, you know, the puppeteers are having to do some some awkward things when it comes to their body position and, and what they need to do to get into the scene, because many of the sets for this episode are the same sets, I assume, that they're using <clears throat> throughout the series, which means they weren't constructed with puppets in mind. Sets that are built for puppets are, are uh, you know, built in a way where things are raised up. There's a floor that's missing uh, in certain spots, you know, so that the puppets can be at one level and the human actors can be at another level, things like that. I mean, that's the stuff where if you look at the behind the scenes of Sesame Street, The Muppet Show, things like that, you'll see how that all works. But when you have stuff going on with puppets in these law offices and stuff, I mean, those sets, I'm assuming they they weren't going to rebuild those sets to make them work better for puppeteers. So the puppeteers are having to crouch under tables and, and desks. And, and, you know, when you see them walking down the hallway, not the full bodied puppet, but you just see the half, you know, waist up puppet walking down the hall, you know, mm -hmm. I assume they're probably the puppeteers are laying on their backs being pushed around on carts. That's often the way they do that. And um, that stuff is difficult. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that's, you know, I, I think one of the the more famous um, you know shots from this episode is the you know the slow motion hero walk with Puppet yeah. Angel holding the sword behind his head. Yeah, yeah, and that was a cool that was a cool shot. Uh, and I would imagine you know probably there was uh, you know somebody that's just behind the camera pulling a cart that has the puppeteer on it lying on his back, making that puppet walk through the scene. Um, they're, they're definitely employing a lot of the same tricks that you see out of the Muppet stable. Um, and, and, you know, not just in terms of the performance, but also the, the way that different shots are pulled up. Uh, you know, if, if you watch closely, you'll see it, it's fun to watch the edits when you're watching puppetry because, you know, certain puppets can't pick up things. Certain puppets can't move in certain ways, but they'll do different tricks with the editing and things like that to make you think that you saw the puppet do these things. Um, so like in most of the shots, the puppet version of Angel is what we would refer to as like a, a human arm style puppet, which means that you have a puppeteer with their hand in the head and then one hand in one of Angel's hands. And then there's a second puppeteer controlling the other hand. So they're, they're, the puppet's hands are actually gloves. And this way, the, the puppet is able to pick things up and handle things and, and stuff like that. Um, but then in other shots, like what you mentioned there, where they're walking down the hall and Angel's holding the sword over his back and such. I mean, the arms would have been stuffed, most likely, and, and affixed to the sword. There's no puppeteer manipulating the hands at that point because they don't have to move. So they do all these different tricks to you know, change the puppet around or change something in the shot so they can pull off something. And that's, uh, Jim Henson pioneered that kind of stuff. So yeah, those, mm -hmm. those are those Muppet tricks. All right. So I think we've talked about, you know, the puppets themselves enough. Let's get into the actual story of, of the episode. Like what, what did you think about this, this story of this basically, you know, these demon puppets that that take over this this kids show 
and you know, basically like release Joker Venom, and <laughs> as they talk to, which I, I'm, I love that they that they really called that out with yes. when Knox is like maybe it's the Joker. <laughs> the the first thing that you know went through my mind, you know, because you have that kind of prologue to the episode, and uh, you know the kid puts his hands up to the TV and and then the mom finds him on the floor. And you know, of course the first thing though, that I'm thinking is like, Oh my gosh, are we going to kill kids in this episode? <laughs> oh no, 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 they're not killed. They're just in this weird state, whatever. But yeah, when they showed the face, I was like, it's the Joker. It's right out of 1989's Batman. It's Smilex or whatever that stuff was. Mm. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I was glad that they actually referenced that and said, yeah, we realized that we're kind of stealing that a little bit. Um, I also wondered, I haven't seen this new movie Smile that's out yet, but I, I wondered how many similarities there were with that, too, because I keep seeing images from that with the kind of frozen smile on people's mm. faces. Um but anyway, no, the, the the story is is clever. I mean, I thought um, it's almost like this, I don't know, this bizarre uh, uh, concept that I think some people have of just like children's entertainment. You know, uh, when you think about, you know, is this really of the devil or something like that? You know, um, I, I yeah, think they, they had to make a deal with the devil to make something so you know childish and silly become so popular. Yeah, well, and I guess part of the thing you, with that for me was that I wouldn't have necessarily picked a Sesame Street style thing to portray that because to me, I, I, you know, granted, I'm maybe I'm a little biased, you know, because I love all things puppetry and grew up on Sesame street. But I mean, Sesame street is a, is a program that's not just made for kids. It's made for the adults that watch it along with the kids. It's very clever. It has a lot of humor that kids are never going to get, but it's fun for the adults. Um, you know, if you want to ask me something that's more demonic, you know, I said, send me to like Barney or something like that, you know, <laughs> but yeah, but, I, I am yeah. actually curious that I know that there's a, um, a documentary that recently came out that takes a look at the Barney phenomenon and, and kind of questions <laughs> why, you know, this beloved children's character became this touch point as, you know, so many people just despised this oh. character. I, I am so glad that Barney was kind of on its way out by the time I had kids that were in that <laughs> age group to watch that. So we never really had to deal with that in my house. There's interesting elements to this that I think you can pull from other, uh, you know, examples of fantasy and horror that you see. I mean, the idea of something kind of coming sinister, coming through the TV screen, things like that. You know, you've seen that, you know, and everything from poltergeist to Videodrome, you know, I think, you know, so it's pulling elements from other things like that. Um, I got a real kick out of the sequence, um, which is actually, I, I think the most terrific sequence of the whole thing where you have the, the guy that created this program. I assume they're modeling off him off of Jim Henson. Yeah. Um, Gregor, Gregor Framkin. Right. And he was, he was played by David Fury, who is one of the producers. And, and I think it's funny because one of the other, um, miscellaneous episodes that I covered was the the musical episode Once More with Feeling, and that's another episode where David Fury has a small but memorable appearance, mm. where he has you know basically a, a one line um, 
musical moment where he sings, you know, about them getting the mustard out of his shirt <laughs> with, you know, well, with a full dance accompaniment behind him. When uh, when he showed up in there, um, I mean, first of all, just from the look of him, you know, being this somewhat jovial type of guy with a beard and all that. I thought, oh, clearly they're trying to model him off of Jim Henson there. Um, and uh, to me, as as a puppeteer and someone who um, has worked a lot with puppet builders, I, I don't claim to be a puppet builder myself. My, you know, my efforts in that area are not great. Um, <laughs> but I work with a lot of very talented people who, who could build some fantastic puppets. And so when they show him sitting first sitting there and he's got a glue gun in his hand and he's working on things, I was just like, oh, that's perfect. Because the glue gun is like the tool that never leaves your side as a puppet builder that's like always there we've always always during our puppet programs that i was involved in we'd always have a glue gun backstage plugged in ready to go because if you if something needed repair quickly the glue gun is the way to do it and uh so that was just perfect (laughs) that he had the glue gun um but then you had the moment where you know that that lead demonic puppet is sticking his hand in his back and and operating him like a puppet which, you know, first is kind of like, oh, you know, he's got his hand <laughs> in his back there. Um, but it, it's funny because it actually it made me think of um, not not a hand puppet like this, but a ventriloquist dummy, because mm-hmm. a ventriloquist dummy is more like what they're portraying in that scene where you've got a opening in the back of the puppet as opposed to in the bottom of the puppet. And uh, there's actually a usually a, a rod or a stick uh, inside the the puppet's body, which attaches to the head. And there's little levers and stuff that are being operated to control the mouth, the eyes, whatever. And so just that scene made me think more of a ventriloquist figure uh, than a hand puppet. Um, yeah, and you can almost think that, you know, somehow he's controlling him through his spinal cord. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what was going through my mind. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I I did appreciate that moment for being something that is a bit more dark and sinister in mm-hmm. you know what what is for the most part a fairly playful episode. I mean, they try to to go dark a bit with the puppets at times, but you know, still, yeah, it's, there, it's I think there's just playful. you know a, a small handful of really dark moments like like that one and. Um, you know, just the idea of the kids and the yeah. you know the Joker game, the Joker grin, and and I think you know the the first moments with which it, I believe it it was supposed to be you know Gregor Framkin with the the towel over his head, even though we never actually see who it is. I wondered about that because yeah, when I was thinking through the episode after watching it. I was like, now who was the guy with the with the towel over his head when they first show him sitting there and he's got the towel draped over? Us, I, I was like, looks like the rancor keeper from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm just guessing that it's him just based on it, the body type because he is kind of a, a larger a larger guy. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's hard to say for sure because we never see his face and he's never really referenced again. But right. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that that was supposed to be Gregor. Yeah. Well, and I kind of wondered, you know, what happened to the actual puppeteers? Because they don't really reference that uh, in the show, you know. But, you know, this is a show that's been going on. This other guy 
created it. Clearly, there have been other puppeteers. In fact, in one of the scenes, you can see pictures on the wall in the studio backstage area that show puppeteers operating the puppets. And so I was like, all right, well, what did they do with the actual puppeteers? <laughs> now, I, I imagine they're either, you know, the the zombie people walking around, either oh, that yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe they were sacrificed to the nest egg. That reminds me of another thing. And this is just something I was picking up on as a puppeteer. When they showed the zombie people that are, you know, operating the, the camera and they're doing all the technical stuff there. There's a guy there holding a boom mic. No, that that doesn't work in the world of puppets. <laughs> yeah, because everybody is, you know, down below. <laughs> yes, and and with, with puppets, we we all, if we're doing our our own voices live, we wear headset microphones uh, because that way, no matter where your head turns, that doesn't the. You know, the microphone is not affected. The microphone stays in the same position in front of your face, regardless of how you move your head. Uh, Although so, I, I yeah. think it would actually work in this instance because the, the voices would be coming out of the puppets mouths right, and not from right. the puppeteers. <laughs> yes, yes. But seeing that at first, I was like, you never <laughs> see a boom mic on a puppet set. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. I, and I do love, like, some of the, the puppet characters. I mean, I think that, you know, the guy and the girl are are very generic you know, mm -hmm. puppet characters. But I, I love, you know, Groovus the dog. I I, I, I love his character and, and how he's the, like, the other two are more focused on this plot to steal children's innocent souls. And then Groofus is like is the one focused on oh but I I have a really great song that I want yes. to <laughs> have for the episode you know this is our last one so I want to make it a good one. Groofus then... is a little more of the crazy character. He reminded me a little bit of like a Gonzo or a Grover, uh, you know, in, in terms of the dynamic. With the even other though his puppet. voice is very Ralph, it's a bit Ralph. It's a bit when I first heard it. Um, I thought, is that Kevin Clash? Kevin Clash is the guy that did Elmo, mm -hmm. and he did various other characters. And when I first heard Groofus's voice, it sounded a lot like there's a character on Sesame Street that was called Hoots the Owl. He was this jazz-playing owl character. And Kevin Clash performed oh, yeah. that. Uh, it was actually the same voice. You and I are of a similar generation. I don't know if you remember this, but before he was on Sesame Street, Kevin Clash was on a show called The Great Space Coaster, and he did a character called Gorilla the Gorilla, and it's basically the same voice. And when I heard that goofus voice, I thought, that sounds like Kevin Clash, but it, it's not. Um, but yeah, no, the, the one that I thought was just really funny is the one that is almost borderline to be able to really call it a puppet, because it's more of a costume, and that's the... Uh, ratio hornblower. Yes, yes, ratio <laughs> hornblower. And um, I, I think part of what I liked about that was that I have always had a great affection for puppet characters that um, speak in their own language, that speak a gibberish or, or something that, you know, somehow the other characters are able to understand but we're not able to understand, um, mm -hmm. you know, so that's a character like the Swedish chef or beaker or animal. Even they don't really speak a language <laughs> that all the rest of us are understanding, <laughs> but the other characters somehow understand it. 
Um, and, uh, you know, that's the case with this character, or it just has this honking sound. Um, I love that technique. You know, I love how Goofus and the others have conversations with him as if they perfectly understand what all that honking means. Um, I mean, and that's something that, you know, you see in other things, too. It's like, you know, it's the same concept of how, like, Han Solo can understand what Chewbacca is saying, you know? Mm. <laughs> so that, that's always something that I, I have used that before with puppet characters. Well, I have like one character who's a monster and he just talks in a gibberish language. And the other character, yeah, oh yeah, you're totally right about that. You know? So yeah, it's a fun technique that is, you know, goes way back in the art of puppetry. So it was great to see mm -hmm. that here. Yeah, and, and I loved his demise, too, because it, it's so violent, but it's still in this puppet world or whatever. Uh, Fred shoots him, and then Wesley rips his horn out, and then you have the, the pieces of fluff flying out of the hole where his horn used to be. The fluff bothered me a little bit. Uh, I realize, you know, what they're doing there. I mean, that's, that's the puppet equivalent of gore in this mm -hmm. episode, but... Um, Again, as somebody that works with puppets, I'm going, actually, there's not that much stuffing involved. You know, most puppets are, are going to be made primarily of foam and fleece. You don't actually stuff, you know, that much with, with like that type of stuffing. So like when you see at the very end, the um, I think is it the girl character that's like lying there and there's just stuffing everywhere. Yeah, like, Nina. You know, yeah. And I was just like, there's never that much stuffing inside a puppet. <laughs> maybe a little bit here and there but not that much yeah and and I, w I was actually a little bit surprised by the yeah by that moment of like almost salaciousness because you know she is this new character that's nude woman that's you know just kind of covering herself up even though she's only on screen for just a, you know a free few brief moments mm. but i feel like that's that's not a, a direction that Angel as a show goes in all that often. Well, and I got to say there that that scene you, where you see her waking up and <laughs> she's got no clothes on. I, I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, they they really, um, you know, I wonder how many times they had to reshoot that because <laughs> they have her arm is very strategically placed. Let's just put it that way. You know, <laughs> yeah. And then the the other thing that I want to, you know, that I have to mention that that we haven't touched on at all because he's he's a fan favorite character and it is just one of the best moments is the fight between Puppet Angel and Spike. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm coming into this again not knowing much, but I've definitely heard, you know, the name Spike and know that this is a fan favorite character and all that. So, you know, I'm sure this was you know, a moment where they got to just kind of go wild a bit there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the type of scene that, that plays into, uh, you know, a gimmick that's used a lot of times where you have something that's small and cute, you know, beating up on someone that's much larger. I mean, that that's half the gimmick of like a, a movie like gremlins, for example, when you see a small gremlin creature attacking an actual person and the legs are flopping around and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, it's the same kind of gimmick that we're seeing here. Yeah, and and I I think it fits in with their their character dynamic because the Angel and Spike in in this season are very much frenemies. Mm. You know, they they tolerate each other, but they are you know very um, 
you know, they annoy each other greatly, but they're, uh-huh. they're kind of reluctantly worked with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess you could say the puppet ends up, uh, ends up winning that battle. So that's, that's <laughs> good too. Yeah. I, I think that's funny. And, and I also love, you know, they, they kind of briefly mention it, but the fact that Angel being turned into a puppet also gives him proportional emotional like he, he has <laughs> yeah. you know puppet highs and puppet lows because you know puppet characters do typically have these exaggerated emotions they're either you know very you know extremely happy or you know they they run the the extremes of the motions mm-hmm. for the most yeah. part well no that's i mean that's totally something that when i have been involved in uh you know teaching other performers instructing other performers especially with developing characters, you know, we always talk about how you can't just approach a puppet character as yourself. You know, if I was to do a puppet and it talked the way I talked and it act the way I act, that's not interesting. It's, it's, you've got to, you've got to, you know, either heighten it or bring it down a bit. A puppet is either much more excitable or, or, you know, a bit more, dour you know so you can't just go live in reality you have to go to an extreme a bit more with a puppet yeah i think there's very few instances where that type of you know direction works and you know it's not it's not exactly a puppet but i almost think if this were a live action show it it would be a puppet but like um in family guy the character of brian Mm -hmm. you know he, he is actually you know, a very, you know, he is a normal character that has normal emotions for the most part. Okay. Other than the occasional gag where, you know, he does dog things, but he, he is a, a dog, but he, in all other aspects, he acts like a normal character with normal, mm-hmm. you know, with standard level emotions and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting you bring up animation there too, because puppetry really is, kind of a a it's almost like live action animation exactly it is it's a more fleshed out version of animation it has limitations that animation does not um you know like we talked about how you usually only seeing the puppet from the waist up and things like that there's certain things that puppets can't do but it's um yeah it, it it's got a lot of similarities to the world of animation for sure yeah and i think that that pretty much covers this episode and I, I, I'm not sure if I caught it, but you know, what, like, what are your overall thoughts on on the episode? And is is it enough to make you like want to watch more of Angel, or or you do think you know that this is enough? I <laughs> well, I got it from here. Th- this is definitely the one for me to watch if there's any episode. <laughs> I mean, this is the one. Um, yeah, I mean, I was intrigued. I was definitely interested, uh, you know, to to find out more about the world, and I, I could see myself maybe. Uh, you know, catching up with a few others. I mean, you mentioned there's a musical episode and I was like, Oh, that, that sounds interesting. Um, but uh, like I said, I tend to spend most of my time watching movies. It's hard for me to get into uh, episode television these days, just because I, you know, it's just not the world where my mind is existing. So I, you know, I can't say that I would never sit down and watch more angel. I probably would, would round out my Buffy viewing more first, just because mm-hmm. I know that's kind of, the the bigger uh pop culture icon um but you know i i was intrigued by what i saw here so th- this was interesting um 
I, I do want to throw out one thing uh, <laughs> from a puppetry standpoint that, that we didn't get to. And, you know, maybe part of this is just uh, the way my eyes are trained um, to be watching for this. But there are two scenes in this where I spotted the puppeteers. I spotted <laughs> their heads. Um, so if you go back and watch um, the the scene where Angel is first back at the offices and his co-workers are are seeing him as a puppet for the first time and then they all start to leave the office and he stops them and he says hey you know keep this quiet you know i don't want anybody knowing about this um he's sitting at a at a desk or a table or something and if you look down in the bottom left corner of the shot just under the edge of the the table you can see the puppeteer's hair. Uh, and, uh, and there's another very brief moment where you can see the puppeteer's head. Um, I think it was the puppeteer operating the, um, the lead demon puppet uh, right at, as the big climactic fight is happening in the TV studio at the end. I caught a brief glimpse of the puppet's head. But I mean, like I said, my eyes are kind of trained to look for that because when I've been involved in uh, – puppet video productions if you're not on the set performing um you're watching the monitors going and uh, you know like if you see a head we would shout head and we'd stop and we'd, <laughs> you know start again so <laughs> now I, I would say for for a show that's not used to filming puppets say uh, you know just two brief hair shots is not that bad yes no i mean i've <laughs> Believe me, there there are early episodes of The Muppet Show where, you know, if you are quick on the draw, you can spot a actual puppeteer's face speaking between the puppet characters and things <laughs> like that. So, yeah, it happens. <laughs> Sometimes there's no time to go back and shoot it again. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and giving giving Angel a shot to, uh, to talk about with this episode. And for anybody else that hasn't heard you before, why don't you go ahead and take a minute to let them know where else they can find you online? Absolutely. So, well, thank you. First of all, I, this was a lot of fun. And like I said, always glad to talk about puppets. But uh, my blog is called Forgotten Films. That's at ForgottenFilmCast.wordpress.com. Um, we talk about the movies that uh, nobody else talks about over there, the ones that have kind of vanished from the radar and, and, and that I have a podcast that goes right along with that. That's called the forgotten film cast where on each episode, I'm joined by another movie blogger or podcaster to talk about a forgotten film. Uh, Bubba has been on the show several times. I think the last time he was on, we talked about robot carnival, which is mm -hmm. an animated film. Uh, hopefully we'll have him back on the show again real soon there. So yeah, check out all my stuff, and I'm on Twitter, at Forgotten Films. Uh, that's Films with a Z. And as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on Twitter where I'm at Bubba Wheat. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm, as well as anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. We have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group. You can join that and discuss episodes as they come out, as well as have discussions about time loop movies or TV shows in general and also be updated about what's going on in future seasons of this show. And after this, we will be looking at the series finale of Angel before going all the way back to the beginning and uh, discussing the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. So until next time, grrr. Arg. Hi. 
doesn't exist until it cracks apart. Time 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 doesn't exist until it crac